Okay. That was good. <laughs> I never knew he was white. <laughs> That's the best compliment he could ever possibly receive. Okay. Uh, yeah, you could you could turn that off any any time now. I don't know if he can. I was enjoying it. Let's get the showboat on the rowboat. Okay, welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. <laughs> I'm your host, Tom, and with me this time is... Ward! Steve and Dan. Okay, so Ward, what have you been working on this last week or two? Uh, I have been wrapping up my Onslaught prep. I have been playing a lot of Borderlands. Okay, quick question. Have yes. you painted that Space Marine yet? No, I've been working on other shit. Like Borderlands. Borderlands. <laughs> Space Marine is all we asked of you like two months ago. I know, I've been doing some commission work as well. Hey, so. those, those scavs aren't going to butt slam themselves. That's true. Mr. Torque <laughs> wants me to destroy all laser weapons. So I have to do that right now. So, just quick, quick tangent here. <laughs> that, that was factually correct as a side note. Is, is it as good as everyone expected? So far, I, it's better than I expected. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I haven't downloaded it yet. Anyways, it's good. I'm, I'm so, Ward, you've done approximately nothing hobby-related. What have you I commissioned said, painted? I did some commission stuff. Com- so. oh, yeah, okay, what have you commissioned painting? I've been painting a lot of green right now, so... Green skins? Talk louder. Uh, yeah, wrapping up some green skins. I've been doing uh, some... Wrapping up some Nurgle stuff uh, for War- Warriors of Chaos, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> I'm projecting. I said talk louder, not slower. Or quieter. Ah, what are you going to do? Talk right. louder. Green. I've been painting a lot of green. Okay, welcome to the club. All right. Cool. <laughs> what have I done? I've done, I've had a bad case of hobby ADD. Uh, Dark Elder came out, so I started painting, so repainting grotesques, as I tend to do because I hate all the flesh that I've ever painted. Uh, so I painted them even whiter than before. Which uh, coven are they from? They are from uh, the coven that looks awesome. The Hex. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't think of them off the top of my head, and I was about to have to go get a book. Uh, if anybody has a Homunculus Coven's uh, book, look at the picture of the rack from the Hex coven. They look awesome. Kind of like the pastel-y white and teal. and They just look bad. They look really good. Yeah. yeah. So Very interesting scheme. Decided to do them that way. Um, and I've also gone back and continued work on a Wave Serpent. And I've worked on a Blood Angel uh, Sanguinary Guard, and I've worked on my Knights. So, have I finished a model? I thought you said you were done with your Knights. No, I saw Purity Seals and other little things to do. Right. They're done. I don't have to glue the Purity Seals on, but I want to. That was yeah. me. they got to earn some Battle Honors first. Yeah, they've actually only played in one game. They came to John, and I think blew up in... Yeah, I, think, I don't think they made it through. <laughs> Even in the big game we played against him, where we had like... We oh, they all died They all died, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. good. So they haven't made it through a game yet. Okay, cool. That's me. Dan? Uh, I, I played more games. I didn't necessarily paint things. I pay, I uh, played in uh, some more Attack Wing Collective OP events, and uh, a number of the stores were just wrapping up the, the month three, and uh, in one of them I did not win, and the other one I won the role for the Constellation Prize where I came in second. The Constellation Prize was a constellation. It's kind of weird to say. 
but it was uh, the constellation, as in the uh, the stargazer. The stargazer, yeah, and yeah, Picard ship that he got burnt on or lost his heart. I can't remember what happened to him when the. But he got stabbed in the heart by a Nausicaan when he was. That's right. That's right. I think just everyone burns to death, including Jack Crusher on the stargazer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because you can discard Jack Crusher to turn one evade token into two evade tokens. You can just oh. literally have him burn to death, and then he can go possibly bang Beverly Crusher. And feel guilty <laughs> about it later. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, true, to the, it's true to the story. Uh. Very true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so a number of those events uh, wrapped up, and, yeah, played in two of them. It was a lot of fun. And actually, in the second one, the one at Warp on White, uh, that's run, being run by our good friend Jeff. And, uh, yeah, that one I actually managed to squeak out first overall to get the Assimilation Target Prime. Ooh. By the skin of my teeth, so... Hmm. Lots of bonus points from month two were to uh, what pushed me over the edge there, so that was good. Cool. But yeah, not a heck of a lot of painting still, slowly buying things and wasting my money, and yeah, playing lots of games for a change, so that's a step in the right direction. Tom, what have you been working on? Oh man, I think I've been doing nothing other than painting for the last couple weeks. Get a job, you bum! I do have a job, I'm a commissioned painter. (laughs) 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 Uh, But I I did a lot of stuff for myself in the last few days. I finished up the unit of 10 Nis Hunters for my Mercs, and the unit of 10 Kiazzi for my Mercs, and a Nomad, and I'm almost done Iris 2. How many scavs did you butt slam? Uh, (laughs) I'm using terminology that I don't know what that means. Can I play it on a Wii? (laughs) No. Nope. Then none. PS3, (laughs) computer, and Xbox 360. If it can't be done on a Galaxy S4 or a Wii, I probably won't do it. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, so you, what else, have you done anything else other than the uh, mercenary work? Or you been working on any? Well, other that's systems? it for myself. Uh, I've been doing a lot of resers for Malifo for for one guy and some Circle of Orbros for another. Orboros, Orboros. Sure, I'm sure. How that one works? Whatever. There's too many O's. Ogo Pogo. Yeah, I just like called them the Circle Jerks. I would. <laughs> I like that more. It makes a lot more sense. That's a, that's a delightful punk band as well. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, I guess from what we've been working on, let's move on to shut up and take my money. Ward, what gets your money this week? Oh, man, have you seen Forge World's pictures of the Night Lords? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. But so, they're not yellow at all. They're not yellow at all. But if you, like reading the Night Lord books from Black Library, like about how they're all just terrible uh, and just, run away because Aaron Dembski Bowden is awesome. They're, they're scavengers, <laughs> which is freaking awesome. They're like, ah, look, I just I found like a armor plate. How many warp talons will you use in a game? All of them. Yeah. Okay. That's that's you're you're <laughs> well on your way to competitive play. Well, and oh, they I'm... do come shipped in Ward's favorite color. They are, that's true. They do come, unpainted. They do come with many mold lines. <laughs> I enjoy all of the mold lines. Well, that's right too, because their feet are multi-piece. Because they oh, can yeah. choose which type of claw they, they have. Get so on their many feet. talons. Can you imagine the amount of mold lines on those things? They're tiny little talons everywhere. Like it'd just be ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. You should so, pick up a box or right, ten right up my alley. Poor Ward. I feel bad for you sometimes. So you're actually looking at starting a heresy army? Is that no, what you're getting? I, just, oh, just... I, I want the characters, I think, though. Oh, so like if they come out with like a Savitar or anything like that? Yeah, Savitar is is released. So Is he? Cool. Yeah. I'm He's I'm not making... released. He's well, not released. He's he's Did you guys out. shown off at what used to be the known as Games Day and I missed it? Warhammer Fest? Yeah, Warhammer Fest. It's a f- <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's a stupid game. Forge World Open. 
no, it was the or it was it the Amsterdam one, the the Forge World Open Day in Continental Europe. I think they showed off some of them, but I think he was also in the newsletter. Like he's official. Now. I don't remember Sevatar. How did I miss Sevatar? Sure. That's crazy. I'm gonna find it. I'll show you, and then you're gonna drool and agree with me and give me high fives. Under the so. Table. Wow, that's happening. Steve, who gets your money? Well, I kind of uh, already spent my money. uh, The Dark Eldar stuff. I bought so many books, and I have no idea why. I went out, and I got the Coven's book, the Dark Eldar Codex, and then I also bought uh, Red Wah. I am really liking the GW books right now. The supplements, especially? Supplements and the campaign books. I, I can't stop buying them. They're good quality. They got some really cool artwork. I that's I don't want it to be them to be getting my money actually. I feel bad every time I buy another book from them for insane prices. But they're getting my money and the only other the only other thing I would say that's a shut up and take my money moment is I still am drooling over the Malanthropes. So really like them. Really like the rules. Really like the models. What about you, Dan? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, this month was a little bit lighter on ridiculous splurge hobby expenditures. There was um, a little bit of the new attack wing stuff, but that's obviously like 15 bucks a pop. That's incredibly manageable. Uh, the attack or the X wing stuff is still allegedly coming out, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, they still that have eventually. a shipping, shipping problem situation thing going on that they usually have, or well, it's, it's in that they always do they um, they announce the dates quarterly, so they'll say like coming out qu- third quarter two thousand fourteen. Yeah. So you don't really know when it's coming out. It's just it's you know the icon on the website says it's on the boat. Yeah, but isn't isn't that like the Rebel Aces thing too? Exactly what they have. Rebel there. Aces has come out. Yeah, I know, but they have like that huge delay with them, right? Uh, Imperial Aces was the one that was massively behind schedule. Oh, Rebel okay. Aces was actually on again because it it wasn't as specific a date, but th- that came reasonably on time. Okay, um, gotcha. I think it was just Imperial Aces that was significantly behind expectations. Gotcha. But uh, anyway, that stuff is still forthcoming. It could be here in two weeks, could be here in a month, who knows. Cool. But Wave 5 and soon to be followed by Wave 6 are coming. I think the big thing that's grabbing my attention is I'm trying to remember which legions of the Contemptor Dreads got shown off. Alpha Legion was one, and it looks intense. Uh, the... I think the Raven Night Guard Wars, came out they? recently. Yeah, Night the Raven Wars Guard came out as well. The Raven Guard had the tribal tats, which I was a little bit. like... Oh, the Word Bearers mm. one. That's the one where it's covered in the cuneiform script and like the weird, like astrological. No, I think the Raven Guard one had like weird, like. Oh, sort he's of got skulls. weird. He's got weird, bumpy tribal tattoos on him, and it kind of confuses and enrages me. Yeah, I don't get the Raven Guard one. It I is that was like, what is happening here? Although but, somebody online was like, maybe. The tribal tattoos are like prison tats from uh, Lysaeus or whatever the moon. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It kind of makes sense because he'd be an, he'd weird... be a legion original, so he yeah. would have been that. Okay, so yeah. it kind of makes sense. I still don't necessarily like it as much as the other legion dreads, but I think it was the word bearers and um, the word bearers one looks and the sweet. alpha legion are the ones that they just showed off most recently, and they both look like amaze balls. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely, as always, some intense stuff. Oh, and the Solar Auxilla Imperial Guard. Oh yeah, that actually gets my money too. Uh, they look amazing. They look like a cross between like future steampunk and retro future guard. Yeah, they're like I don't even know how to explain. They're like Bioshock 40k all in one. They're so cool. If you can think of having a retro futuristic retro las gun. <laughs> like it's think of what? a Ford, it's th- incredibly hyphenated, so it must be good. Think of a think of a forty k uh, las gun. Oh, that's the, that's the night hunter himself. That's that word is and, showing. And then there's yeah. Sev- Sevatar is the other one. 
Somehow I missed the picture of Sevatar, but yeah. Okay, so there is some incredibly Where interesting Night Lord it's, stuff it's coming It's not out. on the Night Lords. It's not on the Forge World site yet, but it's gonna Yeah, be there are some people that took screen grabs from the presentations at uh, Warhammer that Fest. Yeah. I think that's Sevatar. Yeah. You can tell with a gigantic hat. He looks very frail. <laughs> and they actually make fun of that in the books, too, where he's like, man, everyone knows to shoot at me because I have this ridiculous helmet. I should probably get a new yes. one. It's incredibly awesome. Darren Dembski-Bowden is just amazing. He, he has a bit of a sense of humor, that's for sure. Very cool things. So No, uh, I was going to say, what, what the hell were we talking about before we got off this this uh, train of thought here? Fortress, pre-heresy. Oh, Solar Auxilla. Solar Auxilla. About their LAS guns. Imagine taking a futuristic 40K LAS gun. With like a 50s sci-fi robot? Yeah, with a 50 sci-fi robot, and then throwing it back in time, but still being futuristic. Does that make any sense? Because that's what they are. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, so I think at the end of the day, a lot of it just comes down to Forge World. Forge World is just, again, churning out tons of heresy stuff, and I haven't picked up as much lately because I'm so far behind on painting, but it is mm. incredibly daunting looking at that product catalog because you want all of it. You want every single thing that comes out. It's just so good. They're nice. Knight's Castigator, yeah. the Knight Castellan, they look amazing. If I didn't already have the Knight uh, that's going to accompany my Heresy Forces paid for, because they're selling complete kits rather than conversion kits, and I don't need two. Yeah. I'm surprised that you didn't jump on with the Iron Warriors Contempt or Dreadnought. Oh, uh, dude. Let's not talk about that. Okay, wait. Let's just do not. Don't even say Don't go there. We've had, this, is a, this is a conversation for another day. Tom and 40K don't mix necessarily. Well, not only that, it's... Yeah, Iron they, Warriors are a soft spot. They've been, they've been. Let's call them. They've been bungled. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I mean the the knights that are coming out. The I want to pick up that Mechanicum looking knight that has a Rad Flenser because I like anything that has the name Rad Flenser. I just like saying Rad Flenser. I don't know what happens when you're flensed by Rads, but I imagine it's pretty pretty gruesome. So I'm, I kind of think that's cool. That also looks really. <laughs> I assume shitty. it's some, similar to a Barium Anima. Like I is this the shittiest <laughs> of the contemptors ever done? Probably. I'm not a huge fan of the Iron Warriors one. It looks really bad. So it looks like the Iron Warriors. People in are... the podcasting universe, tell me how bad this looks. The no, it very. looks it looks like every Iron Warriors helmet sort Hell, of art they no. have. Have you that weird no, no, high no, cheekbone no, thing that they no. have? False. How many Iron Warriors <laughs> have you painted in your life? I I know the Iron Warriors box they released back in third. How intimately do you know that box? Not that intimately, but I remember that helmet being a major <laughs> part of it. Tom knows it so intimately, he didn't need glue to assemble the models. Believe oh. it or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is. I it does not it. live up to the precedent, the artwork. Uh, it is not the finest forge-rolled example, put it that way. Yeah, it kind of looks like a second-ed model. Like, honestly, it looks like it was done by Armor okay, wait, 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 wait. No, like, Armor Is that cast? a problem? Is that a problem, Tom? Second yeah, edition chaos is not necessarily a compliment. I think it's I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I'm not gonna drop a hundred dollars on hilarious. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I get that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, it honestly kind of. Yeah. It, okay. it, it looks worse than that stupid corn skull throne thing with the treads. the corn truckosaurus. Yeah. Or a truckosaurus of corn is I think what it's actually colloquially known as. Okay. Uh, sorry, Dan. We totally hijacked your your train there. Is there anything else that you're gonna waste money on? I think that was the big thing this week was shiny new Contemptor Dreads because while I have one for my word bearers, it was a converted one and it's not the new one. So I need it. <laughs> I still haven't painted the one that I bought like a year and a half or two years ago, but I need this brand new one. It's, it's happening. Okay, yeah. Tom, how about you? Oh, man. Uh, I guess for me, I have a really hard time saying no to the new Nurgle stuff. Oh, I can see that. Especially when I keep like shoving it in your face via text message all day. The Blight Kings? All of it. So here's the problem, is that 
I've been so removed from playing with my Nurgle army for a while because it, it got really boring. And it's still really boring to play with, but the new models are so pretty that I just kind of want them okay, anyways. Okay, can we just talk about the <laughs> dude that has the bell in his chest hole? Yeah! How does he How does he in any way live? I understand he's full <laughs> of disease. He has no internal organs, but yet he's very fat. Maybe they just moved them around like a donut. What's holding <laughs> up that fat? Science. Is there like, is there like a solid bone structure? Is there like a, a uh, like a superstructure in there? I assume there's a series of genetics. A series of fluid-filled sacks. He's like Kiff. No, no, no. There's a, <laughs> just a bunch of tiny nerglings holding him in place. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, "That model's cool. That model's cool. That model's cool." Listen, I hate that one. It makes no sense. What you, is happening? You just had three solid theories. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Futurama. Nurglings living. That was the most solid. solid I actually think that one's reasonable in terms of Nurgle. Uh, but I, I think that's the only stupid model in the entire group. I like all the rest of them. Yeah. My, and the uh, prices are actually pretty reasonable too. They're like, super reasonable. The, the five Blight Kings are shit. We meant to look this up. I think it was $66 yeah, for five. Is. They're in the $60 mark. Yeah. For sure. Which is not that crazy. And no, there, not there's at all. five large, like almost ogre-sized models. Okay, like, when you that's consider that, when you consider that I just bought my Tyranid Hive Guard box and it was for ninety dollars for three. And so the biggest comparison I would give is for an equally detailed model, the current man eaters for ogres mm. are and, yeah. forty dollars a model. They're they're less detailed, in my opinion. Yeah, but and they're, they're not. $40 and they're not multi-part plastic kits that can be assembled in multiple configurations either. Like this kit actually has a lot of good variety. In I it. think a good comparison, frankly, is the uh, Tyranid Hive Guards. That same sort of size model, three of them in a in a kit. I can't think of. I mean, maybe the uh, uh, Imperial Guard Ogrens, but I think they're only three in a kit. Yeah, I think the Ogrens were. Uh, they're like fifty bucks, but it's three. So it's similar similar price per model range anyway. I, but, think, uh, I, I think and the big gribbly, the um, the, the Megoths, they're ninety bucks. They're huge and they're they're cheaper than Nagash. Like they're yeah. But they also don't. I don't think their casting was as complex. Maybe I don't know. I don't know that. I'm I think it, I think it's casting. the same number of sprues. I believe. So. I do have to say I like. Th- uh, I actually don't like the Maggot Lord. It kind of grosses me out. But I like its sculpt. <laughs> Except the various fluids that, excuse me, each version spews are amazing. Are, I think, a little bit of a cop-out. I think I would have liked to seen a little bit more of a, a pose change or something kind of crazy and different about it. Slightly different feet and arm angles. They're very not noticeable. I don't care. I like different body fluids. As a, guy that's, <laughs> as a guy that's played Nurgle for a long ass time, body fluids are more cool than different feet. Don't get me wrong, they're pretty gross. I think my, I think my <laughs> only issue, issue with this release is that, does Nurgle need more love? So, it's actually, that's been the question I've been hearing about a lot lately, and the moral of the story is that they're the most popular. And at, at the end Are of they the, actually even more so than Korn? If you're not a 12 year old boy, the answer is yes. I I find that hard to believe. I feel like a lot of people have, now, and also they, I'm pretty they, sure Mike Sawada they, just took exception to that because he has a huge corn army. It's and the old, only time in his life I haven't called him an old man, so he's probably happy. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but now, now does you, that Mike. come down to like the rules and how they were written for Nurgle specifically? That's why they're the most popular. Or I just think it's the it... strongest aesthetic. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the difference between like a generic undivided and a corn warrior is like. Maybe an extra skull or an extra spike, whereas Nurgle has its own very distinct aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, undivided corn and Zeech, slightly Zeech less extensive Slanesh, especially now that Slanesh is, like Tom was saying earlier today, PG 13 Slanesh. I, I was actually yeah. going to make that exact So, same there's, point. you can't do the other legions to their fullest extent 
like like you can very easily for the normal. old Slanesh uh, demons were amazing, and then when they turned them into plastic and made them totally PG, it was like. Well, and it, like, just, it takes like, the appeal. Do you remember the booby worm? Faction. The yeah. booby worm the was worm. a hell of a piece of like this is where this faction is headed in terms of aesthetic direction, and it's weird and creepy and totally slanesh. And then they were like, "Let's never talk about the booby worm again because it's creepy as fuck." <laughs> Let's get that out of here, and we'll tone that down a little bit to sell it to children. And it was like, okay, I I guess, but I think slanesh lost a lot of what made it tremendously creepy. And while Zinch is really cool, it's like, what's Zinch? It's change. How do you how do you really have change on the Put some chickens on more tentacles. Tentacles, beaks. Tentacles. Like, just chop a chicken and an octopus and stick them together and you get Zinch. Which I love Zinch and Slash. They've always been my two favorite Chaos Gods. I think aesthetically they work the best as a combination. Like, the other ones are kind of at odds with each other. purples and that kind of thing. Yeah, aesthetically, in terms of the conversions, the paint jobs, the whole works. And even like philosophically to an extent. I like Slanesh. I like Slanesh because I think its backstory is incredibly like it, it is vice. It's everybody's yes. bad side. And Zinch and Slanesh that you I think, can't get away from. I think they're the two chaos gods that you can kind of understand why people would turn to them and worship them. Like they have an allure. Who wouldn't want or, a booby worm? Do you want to just be made out uh, of feces? I don't want that booby worm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go on the record saying I want that thing nowhere near me. If your options are boob worm or be like a giant walking pile of shit, I know which one <laughs> most people would choose. <laughs> what if you have no hands to sa- sample said boob? <laughs> attributes. <laughs> this is totally a male-centric podcast right now. I apologize. There's oh some girls like boobs. So you say pile <laughs> of, of poo, and I just think of dogma. <laughs> okay, yes. let's get this back right on the rails. Okay, well, Point I'm, is, Nurgle has a good aesthetic. Nurgle is the most easily rendered in plastic. The easiest to differentiate from the other gods, in my opinion. And make it, edgy while still PG. And mm. it's, also, it's also fitting with what I've heard that the end times is becoming, right? The four lords of the apocalypse. Yeah, it's all about corruption and like the inevitable decay of the well, society. Like Each book is supposed to be like one of the four horses of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So like uh, Nagash would be death. This would be... Plague. Yep. So what... Apparently the Skaven are in there, so what are they? Rats? They're famine. Oh, that makes sense. Rats coming to eat you. Yeah. There's no war, though. Maybe the war is what they do at the end. Is that... um, Is the Empire book... Is there an empire? Well, war? by the end, I don't know if there's going to be much empire left standing. There's well, current speculation that well, what all the four might books? go boom. Didn't we hear what the four books were? Theoretically. Well, the, well it's all rumors. There's all rumors. Apparently, Cain is I coming said back. Theoretically, apparently, the elves are just going to get their god back. This that, is some really that stringent could be, that could be war. journalism on our part. Oh yeah, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I've read all the rumors. This is this is hard hitting investigatory <laughs> journalism. Investigatory. Uh, <laughs> Zoolander. Oh, Derek Zoolander. Okay, uh, can so, we just can we just cut this part now and move on to something else? Yes, the point is, you like the Nurgle. Yes! And I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot and I wanted to talk about it, so we got to talk yeah, about it in your segment. Cool. That's all Yeah, I absolutely. Right. So, before we go any further, it's coming up on that time again to do another Paintisipaction shout-out. And this one is going to be a little bit more of a general shout-out. Uh, oddly enough, something I never thought I would say a few years ago... The Painters of Action shout-out goes out to the War Machine community. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's offense, awesome. no offense meant, but uh, they were not particularly 
known for painting models past the gray plastic stage. Which is kind of ironic, because in the very beginning of Privateer Press with the No Quarter magazine and whatnot, you would have Mike McVeigh, who is, he and his wife, being yep. like two of the, like, you know, living icons of, you know, studio painting. Their babies are going to be like Jesus for miniature painting. Oh, yeah. I made a joke about shaving down uh, Series 7 Windsor Newton brushes in, like, a pencil sharpener to get, like, little baby-sized ones and stuff like that. It was, it was a weird visual joke that I made on a forum when they announced the birth of their child. does not explain well, like, five years after the fact on the internet. But, um, <laughs> or ten, something. Long time ago. But, um, yeah, so they had these, like, amazing studio painters... And in the No Quarter magazine, it'd be paint, like pictures of unpainted miniatures. At their tournaments. At like their, their tournament tournaments. coverage would have pewter. Which, in a lot of ways, it made sense to get the ball rolling more quickly. To get um, into tournaments and everything, to have, obviously, a little bit lower requirements. So you can start this brand new game right off the bat. But it did kind of develop that weird culture of not having painted models. Well, also, they focused a lot more around the game. Like, the steamroller yeah. aspect is, play the game... Not exploit the rules, but do everything you can to win within the rules. Kind of that, like, no-holds-barred, balls-out kind of, like... Yeah, uh, it, it is a strong, it. competitive game. Which really, I think in a lot of time, uh, situations where you have that, like, you're not creating characters like you do in role-playing games. You're not as invested in actually making that sort of appearance and that creation. And that painting, maybe, in, in some cases, you, that sort of comes out of it. So... Well, I think, I think the think biggest different... That. Sorry, just to get at that quick point before moving on... They don't give you the option of making characters. They're all created for you. No, I know what you're saying, but I mean, like, you look at on the far end, like, a very much a role-playing game, and then I think Warhammer sort of still comes from that in a lot of ways. Like, it's, it's history. Forge the narrative background. Yeah. A lot of the guys playing it, they, GW started as a D&D company. You convert up, you kit out your characters. Like, I don't think in War Machine you have the option of changing the gun on your captain. No, it's... it's no, what, ever. With what many that, factions. What right? that person is, is a UA. that's it. Yeah, exactly. So... You. That's right. I used an acronym. UA. <laughs> unit allowance. Is that right? Unit yeah. attachment. I was, unit attachment. I was using oh, it as like the attachment. Yeah, unit okay. attachment. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so moving moving past that, I guess, because there. Yeah. Definitely, there was not a strong history for painting, but there was an initiative started a few months ago, uh, and Brian Sin had this on Facebook for the Edmonton War Machine painters to have, kind of this year long. It's not a competition as much as it is a support, a support group, really. Yeah, yeah. They're covering Warhammer players. <laughs> <laughs> it, a lot of them are. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, uh, it's awesome. There's stuff that's coming out of there that's looking good. Yeah, and so what it's called is the Tale of War Machine Painters, and the basic premise is that you have to paint 10 points worth of models per month, and if you continue on that pace, you're above the line of shame, and if you're below that pace, you're oh, public like shaming. Ward. Public you're shaming. Are, are we surprised? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really neat because more often than not, it's just a bunch of people paint, posting pictures of the models they painted and getting feedback and encouragement, and it's a very open forum where people... I've also seen a lot of improvement from some of the painters over the course of the last few months, just from some of the feedback That's they've been awesome. getting. And huge shout-out to Brian for starting this yeah. and getting this whole ball rolling. And not only... Uh, starting it, but he's also the one that maintains the spreadsheet for where everyone is standing at the end of the at each month. Yes, he hasn't really moved me on that spreadsheet at all. So you've painted one model comfortably right at the bottom. (laughs) Are you in there actually? He is actually at the very bottom because he's Ward, 
Yeah, underneath the line. Yeah, thanks, Mom, for making that <laughs> name. So the W and being the last of everything. Yeah, because it's alphabetical on the list. There's no ranking for how many points you've got. It's just you either are above or below the line of shame. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Ward. Why do you still go in painting competitions? It's not a competition. It's a support group that is. Let you, me down. He needs all no. the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's been fantastic, and it it's something we've been thinking about talking about for a little while, and it's just reached the point where it's actually shown some real momentum. And I know a lot of guys, not only from the onset, have got a lot of stuff done, but there's been people jumping on board with this That's in awesome. the last month or so. That was really good. And desperately trying to catch up with everyone else so they can get 30 points painted this month to kind of be... On board. I am really excited to see what comes out of that because if that means that the tournament sort of armies that show up uh, are nicely done and look good, that's going to be awesome for a War Machine. And at the end of the day, it may also introduce <clears throat> some newer faces because a number of the tournaments that, um, you know, like Ward's Onslaught and the Out of the Basement events, being events that require painting, there's probably a lot of people out there in the community that we maybe, you know, some of us haven't met because they're not coming out to these same events that we're going to. So it's a great opportunity for them to come out to some of these other events as well and yeah. grow the community in that way as well. Grow the hobby. Grow the hobby. And the community. Promote the hobby. Was Promote the, the hobby. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Don't, don't be stinky. That was yes. <laughs> Well, that's paraphrasing. That, but, that was definitely a paraphrase. What, what exactly was it? Prevent maintain, the hi- maintain the highest standards of personal hygiene. I, I, I think it's personal hygiene. Oh, my God. <laughs> That uh, is an obscure reference to some of the old GW uh, corporate policies. Ten Commandments of Retail. Customer service. <laughs> Customer service? Yeah, that's right. Mm, I think so. At one point, mm. everybody around this table could recite them. Well, we, we, we're, we have quizzed on them the every Sunday month. The Sunday morning quizzes. Remember those yeah. Sunday morning meetings? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we should move on. I hope Ward remembers, because he was the management. I just had to quiz you guys after. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't you have probably named them all. I had the sheet somewhere, so. <laughs> My favorite was maintain high personal standards of hygiene. Like, do you need that? As, a, as gamers? Yes. yes. It's I, know, yes. I know it's sad that it needs to be in there, <laughs> but, oh, yeah, anyways. Yeah, on. it was pretty bad. Good on you, Bryanson. Yeah, absolutely. So, transitioning from Oh, this, yeah, that's what we were talking about. Anticipation. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Good job, all you War Machine players. Now, for those of you that do not have the time to paint your own models, we're going to talk about some of the different issues surrounding commission paint jobs, like some of the things you need to look for, uh, what would be quality uh, attributes to have from a painter, and how you can maybe approach getting commission paint jobs. Mm-hmm. Everybody around this table has done commission painting at some point, uh, and I've also, I think everybody around here, has anybody here actually used a commission painting service? I thought about it back when I had more money that I know what to do with, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> At one point, I was budgeting to have, like, you know, some, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the names, but some of the, like, real top-end commission, like, De- Golden Demon winning painters of the day, I was saving money to get them to paint something that I wanted to paint myself so I could try and emulate their style. But the thousand or so dollars I was putting away for that project quickly got used for other things. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. that never happened. Yeah, well, I was kind of in the same like boat. Like World. Like Forge World Addictions and <laughs> yeah, buying, I was... buying you know MacBook Pros and other shiny things. <laughs> I've always wanted to get a model from someone like uh, Jacob Nielsen. Yeah, like a Jacob Nielsen or a Darren Latham to use some of these more like modern day examples. Anything done by that caliber of painter would be a fantastic learning piece to have and try and emulate. See that in person versus just some pictures on the internet. I think that'd be really cool. So let's Especially move. if you're ever looking to learn non-metallic metal. But anyway, yes. never actually did it. <laughs> okay, so we've I, talked about that. I feel like I have, but I can't think of anything that I've actually had commission painted. 
It's been 10 years I've been in the hobby. I'm pretty sure I've had something commission painted. Just can't remember what, which is kind of sad. Anyways, moving on. We buy half-painted and built models off of each other every now and then. Maybe that's what it was? No, because we repaint them. <sighs> yeah, we repaint them, but... No, actually, I, I have <laughs> non-commissioned... I didn't pay you, Ward, but your... Uh, your what are they called? Uh, are oh, right sepulchral stalkers. Yep. Uh, sepulchral stalkers, right there. You should give me some money. No, I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs> what you give them? To, you gave them to me for a draw pod, didn't you? That then went over to Dan. Yeah, then I bought that draw pod from. Okay, yeah. staying on topic. <laughs> That's right. So, what are some of the things that you should look for? <laughs> that makes me very happy when you are going to get some commission painting done. Quotes ahead of time. That is my biggest thing. I would recommend is commission painting can be very expensive. And if you're not sure what you're actually in for, for cost, that can be a shock. So some companies will charge hourly rates, some will charge flat rates. Make sure you have a quote ahead of time that at least ties them to some sort of cost framework that you're, so you're not shocked or surprised and you don't get into that argument at the end. Yeah, just writing somebody a blank check and checking back after a month, that, that could lead to some you know interesting surprises. I think for sure having a, a very realistic budget in mind from the get-go is an important step for sure. And this really ties into quality too, because you're mm-hmm. going to be... That's where I was going to go. I, yeah. I, I think as as a person that is looking to buy something from a commission's service, you also have to think of like how much time that they're investing into the models too. Where you're like, oh yeah, like I figured that I'd pay you like $2 a model. Nah, that, no. I mean, the, the math doesn't really... You're getting a Zenful highlight. That is it. You're not you're even like, getting that. You're lucky to get man. primer for... <laughs> yeah, it's one of the... It, the cost adds up a lot faster than you'd think. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, right? So just just be aware of that when you're looking for the service in the first place. Yeah, if you're if you're literally in that space where you want an army to get painted and you have 50 bucks, um, no, that's probably not going to happen. Buy some army but, painter dips at that point. Or have a friend that owes you some very serious favors. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that helps too. That also happens to know how to paint. <laughs> yeah. um, no, so I think having a cost estimate and that sort of thing in uh, in mind is good. Uh, but what you were saying is level of, of quality. So there's some companies that offer different levels of service too. So like they'll have like a, a rating system where you can choose like, oh, I want these models painted level three and this painted level one. So just be aware of like the difference of the levels too. I would I would say so that way you know what you're paying for. Yeah, like you were going to say, uh, I th- think before we started the podcast, you were talking about, like, s- granularity is great, but having ten levels isn't a good thing, because the difference between a, a six and a five is pretty minimal. It's Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't highlight the one part, but everything else is highlighted. So. Yeah, and the other thing to really keep in mind, too, is that if you're, if you're talking with the artists that you're working with, uh, both about the quality and the cost that you want to get, sometimes if you're negotiating almost more in terms of on their hours spent relative to a specific tier or level, mm-hmm. you might actually be able to get a little bit more maximized because you can say, I want approximately this. And they'll say, well, that'll take approximately this many hours. This would be the rough estimate yeah. of what that would cost. I like that better. So what that'll end up working out being is, let's say they are... And don't ever expect your guy to work for minimum wage because you don't want to work for mm-hmm. minimum wage, so don't expect them to. So expect like a reasonable pay for this. So... I do want to say, every time I've done commission painting, I've been barely above minimum wage. Like, it is, it is a brutal existence. 
It can be, but it... I, w- I wouldn't base my living on that. Like, I wouldn't want to say, like, to all the- hey, <laughs> hey, hey, kids, we uh, we don't get uh, steak dinner tonight because Daddy didn't paint that model quick enough for... Yeah, but it's it's one of those things, too, where... If you talk, if you <laughs> sorry, Tom. <laughs> it was a temporary it arrangement. It wasn't a shot against. No, and I Tom, actually. I know, and Tom so. doesn't have any children, so it's Tom. Good. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree with you. It is completely unreasonable to accept minimum wage. The problem is, is my estimates, since I didn't do it very often, were always wildly off base. So by the time I was done, I was like, "Well, I made minimum wage. Fantastic." I spent I spent way too long on these guys. Yeah, than I originally. Yeah. Thought, so right? what I've so. what what I've done um, <laughs> is that I typically give people a range. Of like, this is probably what I could do on the low end, and this is what I could do on the higher end for approximately the quality that you're looking for. And then in that range, I can get kind of a sense of whether or not they're willing to spend a little bit more or they want to spend a little bit less. Yeah. And then you can really play around with it, right? Like, you can add in maybe a few more little details here and there. I think what you're saying is you can offer a level one, two, and three, but at the end of the day, the client's going to want a particular color scheme. And it may be a two and a half, and that's totally okay. And yeah. most reasonable companies and artists are going to go, oh, well, it's going to take me a little bit longer, but not a three, so I'm going to charge you a little bit more, but, you know, middle ground. Yeah, and I think this really comes down to, I would say, probably the biggest issue when it comes to setting up commission paint jobs is open communication. Oh, yeah. And this is both before everything gets started as well as during, so you're getting those updates, like you were talking about. Yeah, yeah you don't want to wait until somebody's done sinking 100 hours into a project to find out that he painted it the wrong color. Yeah, you want to get some photo updates ahead of time. In this day and age, there's no reason why somebody can't snap a cell phone pic. Yeah, and that's uh, They don't have to easy. be perfect photos to give you an idea of the color. Um, yeah. And honestly, be very serious with your artist, because if there's something you don't like about it, they can change it. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy change to do a slightly more red-brown for the leather instead of a more... Especially when it's early in the process and exactly. they haven't done 50 orcs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the earlier you can catch these things, for sure, the better. So that uh, brings me to the next sort of thing when you're talking about open lines of communication, that, uh, that whole thing. Most commission painters are still a cottage industry. There's not many guys that are doing it uh, at a business level, I would say. Like large-scale production, you know, it's usually a one-on-one kind of thing. I will produce this for you this month. That's the end of it. That being said, timelines in a cottage industry are notoriously flexible. I'll leave it at that. Be understanding that your commission painter, it's an art-type thing. It's not always going to be exactly on the date that you expect. They, They have a life. There's things come up and there's there's issues for both parties, right? So Yeah, so don't say, I need to play at this tournament in a month and I need my entire army done. And it has to get shipped 500 miles back and forth in between. Yes. Yeah. That is definitely something to keep in mind for sure. So what it comes down to when you're starting this dialogue, the real things you should be looking into is what kind of timeline they can offer. So if they're currently working on other projects, if you're going to be bumped back in the queue or where it'll be. So what what their rough estimate will be. You want to find out what kind of quality you can get as well. You want to find out what it's going to cost for various quality levels and have a real conversation about where you can maybe cut corners or increase quality here and there for various dollars. Because at the end of the day, it is very flexible because you can do all kinds of different things when painting models. Yeah. So... What this really comes down to is as a good client for a painter, you need to be understanding, but you also need to be very, very aware and capable to communicate these things you need to, to know the what painter you as want. well. You, absolutely. Yeah. 
Because if you are just saying, I want it done well-ish, and I want it done... Green-ish. I want it kind <laughs> of like these ones, then if you're not happy, it's not the painter's fault. Because you have not communicated yeah, yourself Yeah, I, w- I would properly. say, for sure, nine times out of ten, it's not the painter's fault. for 100%. Or at least, right. not entirely. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you really want to be able to open that lines of communication. And as if you're getting someone that's going to do the job properly for you, they need to be open to these communications as well. So a good painter should also be cognizant of these things and be able to work with you as a client. I think if people go into it with an understanding of, you know, they, I think they sort of think that it should be cheap, it's toys, it shouldn't be crazy expensive. But I think a good way of looking at it is that it's a lot more like almost building a custom car or, or something along those lines. Hopefully not the quite the same price tag, but very similar. Yeah. Same sort of cost relative to the original starting materials. Yeah. Labor is expensive. And if you're willing to realize that labor is expensive... You and you're willing to work with your painter, you're probably going to have a much better outcome than if it's at any point adversarial. It is an art process, and your your painter, you want them to sit down and enjoy painting the models because you get a better product. Yeah, and I think one of the things to really keep in mind is when you're asking someone to paint models for you, you got to put in the context how long it's going to take to paint that individual model and ask yourself, if I put in this many hours to do that, at a job of any kind, how much do I want to get paid per hour to do a job? And if you really put it in context, how long have you been painting for Ward? Like years wise? Yeah. Uh, 37. No. Oh, not was that off? <laughs> Pro- probably like 14, 13. And how many years before you felt like you were painting at a very competent level? Oh, a while. <laughs> like, but how, or how many. Could you give a rough estimate as to how many how many it's hours the, of training went into being the quality painter? It's the ten thousand hour uh, thing that every sport, every activity yeah, has. You need more, to put ten thousand hours. I, I need, in I, need I needed to paint lots. Well, ten thousand I mean, hours is expert. We're, not working proficient. working for GW helped no, with that, right? Because there was painting projects that we yeah. had to do for GW. So the more that I painted, the more techniques that I picked up. Working with people such as Dan, Kyle. I got more. more yeah, the collaborative environment definitely gives you a bit of a shortcut there for sure. Yeah, when yeah. you're talking, but when you talk, when I'm talking about the ten thousand hours thing for a commission painter, ex, you are an expert. You're a pro, you're you're kind of in that professional territory. No, you totally are. I, I think, that's the reality. I think you need to be proficient as a commission painter is ten thousand hours. Yeah. So I was just saying that the the, the research behind the ten thousand hours is that that's what it takes to be an expert in anything. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's. You're entirely right. That's the whole sports 10,000 hours thing of practicing or whatever. But as a commission painter, that's where you should start, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. And you need to be... If you worked your job wherever it was and you put 10,000 hours of training into it, what level do you think you'd be in that job? As a computer programmer in my current job, terrible. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I will never know enough in my current job. But anyways, So, I mean, that's that's where... um, the customer has to be flexible with the painter, right? Like yeah. that understanding. Uh, however, as a customer, you get the option of choosing your painter. So like yep. if uh, make, making sure that your painter maybe has a portfolio so that you've oh, seen yeah. some of the other paint, yeah, paint jobs, right? You need a resume. You need <laughs> right? a portfolio. You, you need before. some references. Like yep. if somebody is like, hey, this yeah. guy painted for me. I thought it was fantastic. They'll give they'll give you the, the skinny You cannot on. go and get a painter's ticket. Like you go and you want your car rebuilt. You can under, you can go and get it. He has a mechanic's ticket. Yeah, there's yeah. no apprenticeship journeyman mm-hmm. status you know, yeah. there's no government you regulated need commission to have painting. A portfolio. <laughs> yeah. There's no way around that unless you personally know the guy, and even then, you still have a portfolio. It's just 
It's your personal relationship. It's no different. Yeah, and oftentimes you can find these people at tournaments. Yep. Like you can look around, um, then you see the armies they play with, you get a bit of sense for how they paint and the, and the kind of style they and have. D- different different groups will also, like, I've seen, like, a lot of people like, hey, does anybody do commission work? And then a bunch of names will get thrown up because yep. those people are referring them. Absolutely, right? and so. that's, that's something I've been kind of waiting for an opportune moment to jump in on, is before you get into that stage of having these really in-depth dialogues with your painter and having them start on your projects and all the rest of it, long before any of this happens, you do need to establish to some extent the the credibility and like the background of your painter you need to do your homework as a customer um like before you start committing money and spending both your and the painter's time working on these things it does help to do that research ask a few questions like if there is a forum or a facebook group or even among your personal friends that you think people may have had dealings with this person or business by all means ask a question ask like Oh, have, have from Painter X or whatever? Like, have you? That's not an actual person. Painter X. That Paint, sounds, that awesome. sounds awesome. Oh, like, Can I change X. my name? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but like, ask ask the questions. Absolutely. Like, what's their quality? What's their timeline? Do like, they... do you have any examples? Like, did you have you worked with them? Can you show me some pictures of the army that you got painted? And and pictures are a lot different than seeing the thing in person too. Which Absolutely. Is Good quality back, photos are very hard to come by on the internets. When yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna come back to what Tom was saying. When you're at a tournament, you see someone's beautifully painted army, and you ask them, "Hey, who painted that? Are you, are you up for? You know, maybe the the owner of the army is up for doing commission work, or maybe he had it done by somebody else, and mm-hmm. he's willing to give that person's name. That's a great recommendation if you actually see in person good commission work. And let's put this on the other side of the coin too. If you are starting out doing commission work, be a fucking professional. Like, don't just be like, yeah, I'll get this stuff done for you, and then close the dialogue with the person that you're doing the work for. Mm-hmm. You need to give them, if you're giving them a rough time schedule, do your damnedest to meet it, and if you don't have, if you're not meeting it, you better have a damn good reason. Well, even at, at the minimum, I would say, if you if your painter that you've picked also has a full-time job and has got other things going on, as long as they're willing to say, um, the if as long as they're willing to... Um, give a reason why they missed that uh, estimate. Yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah, and then that's kind of when you're selecting the painter, right? If someone's doing it for 20 hours a week versus five, you're going to... The estimate you're giving as a painter should be reflective of how many hours you can put in. Yep, for sure. For the time. Yeah, be reasonable. Uh, and I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I'm I'm a slow painter for one because you guys make fun of me all the time. That's why you're the slow painter. You spend oh, all this time crying yourself to sleep. Exactly. And I'm like, moping oh, around the apartment. So what you're saying is we stop so, making fun of you. You'd paint so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, we'll work on that. No, but I mean, like, any commissions that I take, like, I I let them know, like, hey, you know what? I, I take my time. I, I put the time and effort into it. Like, you'll be happy with your models for sure. But you, you just might not get, get it next Tuesday. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. And then the other thing to really keep in mind is that different painters have different styles. So recognize the style of their work before you go in. Because even if it's going to be Let's, a low, medium, high quality paint job you're making them do, there's still going to be elements of that painter in that in yeah. those paint job. Think of it like as a tattoo artist. Like if you're going to go get a tattoo, you're going to want to know their style and if that's the style that you want on your body permanently. That's a, or, that's a really good example. Or on your mind. So you're telling me that I could charge like 140 bucks an hour? You should. We'll see if... We'll <laughs> see how many commissions you get. But, <laughs> but like, the, that style, like, some some people highlight differently, right? Like, edge highlights versus wet blending, right? And just, yeah. what do you want your models to look like? And you can also negotiate these specific styles with the artist, too. Yeah. Oftentimes. 
Yeah. And I think one of the other things that I was uh, trying to shoehorn into the conversation as well is the better like photographic examples you can come up with. If there's something that is like, oh, I really like this model with this color scheme and like the green armor instead of blue or something like that, yeah. right? Like if you have good good concrete reference examples that you can forward instead of just these vague, you know, text-based descriptions of how you want things to look, that'll be really helpful as well. The better like visual resources you can have to provide to a commission painter, the more likely they're going to, you know, your final product is going to match what's in your head. Because that's in a lot of cases where I start as a painter as well, you know, regardless of whether it's for a commission project, is if I'm starting something from scratch, I do a lot of research and look for reference models, get a lot of ideas and see how, you know, see how things on similar models or similar color schemes were done and then, you know, take elements and make it your own and all the rest of it. But those photographic examples are a great way to cut a lot of that, you know, time out of the communication because you can show, oh, I like the highlighting on the armor plates of this guy, but the color scheme from this picture. And yeah, I think those, those photographic examples just give you a lot better chance of getting what you're after. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So just in summary, the more information you have, both as a painter yeah. and a client, the better the process will be for everyone. Absolutely. Talk. Just diving headfirst into the deep end is not necessarily the way to go. Like, do your research, take your time, make an informed decision. Because at the end of the day, you're spending a significant amount of your hobby dollars on a service. And it serves you and the painter to do, you know, do your homework and uh, get it right the first time. I would say the last thing, too, is just feel comfortable with... If how much they want to take up front and absolutely and, and that as well, right? Because certain certain people or companies they might say like, "Hey, I want fifty percent up front," and some might and want then, more. And at the end of the right? day, if they if they take a sixty or seventy percent, um, you know, down payment up front, and they have physical possession of your models, there's you know there is that potential for things to go bad. Like you pay mm-hmm. the money and you never see your models again. It's Doing your homework, getting credible references, it does go a long way because at the end of the day, there is some inherent risk involved, especially mm-hmm. if it's somebody you've ne- never met before in person. So it, it pays to do your homework, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, as a, in, in similar vein when it comes to timelines, if you're paying via credit card or PayPal or anything like that, it does not hurt to know what the refund or exchange policy on your payment method is. So, for example, like a lot of credit cards or PayPal, if you're trying to do an exchange, a return or a refund after 30 days, it becomes very difficult. So if you're doing a commission paint job where it's a really large project that's going to take like six months to finish, if there's a way for you to pay in installments, like pay as units are getting completed or something like that, rather than all up front, you can minimize your risk a little bit that way for Mm -hmm. sure. And then just... To really reiterate, you always will get what you pay for. So if you unless, unless you get scammed and then you so, don't yeah. get what you pay yeah. for, <laughs> but just expect expect to get what you pay for because if you're going in wanting a painted army on a budget, it's you're going to get a painted army on a budget. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be three color minimum. So just go in with realistic realistic expectations. So the last thing to talk about when it comes to commission painting is how to approach them in a tournament. Because especially when there are prizes for best painted, obviously yeah. you should know if you didn't paint it nine times out of ten, you should not be eligible. I would argue ten times out of ten, but uh, most tournaments will you will uh, not be eligible for best painted. Tom, I will agree one hundred percent. If you did not paint your entire army, you know, like if you have a centerpiece painted by a commission painter, you probably should do the honorable thing and bow out. 
Um, or just pull that one model off your tray when there's voting for best painted or something like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And too. be very clear to your opponents. Yeah, I didn't whilst you're playing as well. If you've got one model that's like a character model that you really want it done up, uh, yeah, pull it off the tray. I think that's reasonable. But if you have the whole army painted uh, by a very good painter and it looks incredible, and you're gonna run away with it, that's not fair to the guys that actually put the time and effort in to try and compete for that prize. And that not only there. It's also not fair to the artist that you paid to do it. Yeah, you're you're because you're claiming plagiarism. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, I know a lot of the events that we've run where there are soft scores, we do still give you full points in game. Yeah. For that army, because it is unfair to penalize you relative to the overall score. No, but that's the entire reason you do the uh, the commission painting in a tournament environment. Like, that's what a lot of the players in the States go for, is they get these commission painted armies because they know that they are gamers first. They like the painting aspect, but they want to com- com- compete comp- 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 with, with this particular They end. spend their time more with the army list, with the tactics, and practicing with their army rather than slaving over a painting. They game. might like the conversion side yep. of things, so they build the models, they get it sent out, they get their full marks on painting uh, scores. That, in my mind, is more than acceptable. In fact, I would love to see players do that, especially to save their own time or whatever else, if they can get more armies or the armies that they want, that kind of thing. I think that's totally fine to get those soft scores. Or not, well, yeah, the painting soft scores. Yeah. I think it would just depend, yeah, if it's an overall, if the points are going to an overall thing or if they're just going to a painting score for a painting award. Yeah, absolutely. If it's a painting award, you should know going in that you shouldn't be eligible for it. And it's, honestly, you didn't paint it, so you shouldn't get an award for it. But it shouldn't hinder you if it's also going towards, like, the gaming aspect. I'm going to come back to that Cara example that I made. At most car shows, uh, the bigger ones, they'll have, like, a uh, builder's award and then a best of show. Best of show, you can pay someone to build and paint the car and you're still in the running. But the best builder is the person that actually built the vehicle. Like, they're the one that, that uh, you know, turned all the wrenches, painted the car. It's the same thing with a miniature painter. If the, the best builder has to be at that show to win it with a car they built, like, that's, there's no other way around it. Like, it's not going to go to the guy that won best overall at the show, and then they're going to be, like, finding the builder and then giving them the award. That's not how it works. Yeah, it's a right. little bit impractical, and I mean, it is. It's an example that's crap, or cropped up, cropped up, cropped up. Wow! <laughs> what are you saying about this episode? It's, uh, it's, it's cropped up in terms of uh, Golden Demon historically. I think there was a more recent example as well. I don't know the details of it, but I vaguely recall the discussion coming up again recently of somebody entering a commission painted model into Golden Demon and taking credit for that's somebody else. So sleazy, and it's it, in a lot of cases, especially with. Outright painting competitions, it's in the rules. You have to have done the work yourself. It's unbelievably sleazy. Some competitions allow collaborations, like you might know somebody that does sculpting or conversion work, and then you paint it. In some contests, that's okay, but I actually the common expectation is that if you painted the model, you're the one entering it, you take the credit for it. But something that you bought online... See, I don't actually have a problem with the collaboration thing. Like, if you're both there as an artistic pair... Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there together as your work you've entered. Like, I mean, as long as it's not 100 people that worked on the thing. That like, gets it's a little a awkward. Team. Yeah, like, it's a team of two people, you know, that has particular skills. I think that's totally reasonable. Anyways, that's me. I was I was just picturing, like, 
an Oscars performance where it's just like, uh, the crew of, uh, <laughs> would like to thank the, for winning the Slayer Sword. And I'd like to thank the guy <laughs> that painted the eyes. They did a really good job of highlighting that one dot of white. <laughs> I've never been able to get it there. Uh, but I mean, if, if you, if you're, if you're attending an event and you bow out of the painting, uh, running because you got your army commission painted, you gain a lot of respect from the community. Oh, huge. Yeah, Let me talk is... to you about a story about one of my favorite people on the planet. Oh, my God. Okay, all right. Stephen Fitzpatrick bowed out of a painting competition because his wife primered his models. Really? Whoa! That is taking it to a new level. I know. And that's just Steve for you. That is Steve. He was, I can't, I can't, I didn't paint all these models was his thing. I didn't, I didn't, she, she base coated them. Like, she primered them black. I, maybe it might have been like a brown, but she was the one that sprayed them out of a can. He was like, "No, I'm done." That is artistic <laughs> integrity to like an unreasonably high. Oh, level. I know. Yeah. I think I think everybody's kind of like Steve. You can you can slow your roll over here. That's okay. <laughs> That's acceptable. <laughs> I think it was for a staff painting competition. Actually, now that I think huh. about it, wow. that makes sense. But yeah, I, I mean, it just it goes a long way if if yeah. the community knows that. No one's going to look down on you for taking the high road. That's not how that works. Yeah. And I'm going to throw a shout out here again to Phil Harlos with his Lamenters that he had. Uh, or not Lamenters. The, uh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were Lamenters. Yeah, the yeah. weathered yellow space Unbelievable army. Of awesomeness. They were really well done. Super good guy to, you know, yeah, I didn't paint these. I had a commission painter do them. Uh, bowed out. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, nothing, awesome. nothing but respect for a show of integrity like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There really are no losers at that point. I think that wraps up our talk on uh, commission painting. Unless there's any last words that you guys have? It's good. Rhinoceros. Support your commission painters. Yay! Be be prepared to spend lots of dollars. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Making them rich so they can drive their Ferraris, right, Tom? You mean their beat-up Suzuki Swifts? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I desperately need new tie rods. (laughs) If you had a van, I would call it the Van Brigini, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so before we fully wrap up the episode, we're going to get into something very serious to us here at Hobby Nate in Canada, and that's how you feel as, lis- <laughs> uh, as I didn't mean to laugh. We're, we're serious. Yeah, we're very serious. We want, we've been doing this for, what episode are we on? 17-ish. A, a few. We, we're we, almost legal. We care about you. We want to know if you're eating right. Did you brush your teeth? Are you regular? <laughs> we've done this for a little more than two-thirds of a year. Yeah, anyway, so, and we've also tried a, a bunch of different segments and styles, and we do talk about a wide variety of different games. So what we're going to be doing is putting up a survey on Facebook and giving you the option to respond back with which segments that you like and which kind of games that you'd like us to talk about. So we're going to just break it down first. <laughs> Sorry, that's... No one else is laughing except for me. This is really awkward. Why are we breaking it down, Tom? <laughs> is this going back to Dance Mix 94? Yeah, it is. Okay. It really we're is. breaking it down. It was 95. 94 was the true. one that... All, I'm Ward thinking of up, MC Hammer. Ward like, came up. Down. <laughs> yes, there we go. Now I feel slightly less I just want to say, okay. Ward was 94 and that's garbage. It's all about the 95. Uh, Anybody here that's going to listen to a Dance Mix out there, make sure it's 95. Okay, so this will probably not be one of the segments that we give you is talking about Dance Mix 95. Uh, we could. Uh, would you like us to talk more about that? Because I'm into it. Let us know. We'll, we'll put that on the survey. Okay, so the basic format for the survey is you'll be given a bunch of different options, and you are going to be given the choice to select any number of the segments that you like, and this will give us a distribution of what more people like to listen to, and also 
it trickles down from there. So that is in fact how surveys work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but it'll it'll give us a nice distribution. Uh, so if if you like three of the different kinds of segments that we offer you guys, then you can actually please respond with all three being checked off. Yeah. Uh, not just the number one that you want. Yeah. Not just like pick your top two because that stuff it's things get left out. We care about number three. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard to take this seriously. I was yeah. hoping that you would only say, don't pick your top one, so I could say, like, we care about your number two. <laughs> that comes back to our Being regular. regular. Yeah. And talking about Nurgle today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. I feel like those guys, with the way their guts look, they don't go to the bathroom very often. Not through go, their butthole. I think they go to the bathroom constantly. That's because nobody cares about their number two. Uh, I feel like... Okay, also- let's, let's, let's stop that right here. That's going to get crazy. Nurgle's just sponsored Goatsy.cx. What? No. No, 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 no. We're, no, no. We're not going to that dark no. of a place of the internet. It's a deep Anyways, dark hole. So we're just going to go through. Body and, that normally shouldn't be on the outside Oh, my of God. Stop. Let's, <laughs> Steve, no. Well, we're going to always come back to prolapses with Steve. <laughs> Pelvic mesh. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus So Christ. we're just going to go through some of the categories and explain them a little bit to give people a bit of a sense of what we're going to be talking about. So... The first thing is going to be the review of new products, and we are breaking this down both for hobby content. So this will be new paints, new tools, that kind of thing that are coming out. Uh, new gaming content, and this will often refer to uh, maybe gaming uh, supplies like the laser we talked about. It could be models that are coming out for new ranges. And then the third one we'll be giving you is new rules. So this could either be in the form of codices, army books, or even full editions for games of any kind. So uh, the review type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next segment we'll have on the list is going to be hobby tips. So this will be things like our painting guides or if we wanted to go into things like how to use green stuff or any other tips that we can give you that will help increase your quality of, of hobbying. I could talk about cleaning models for days. Oh, my God, Warren. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, we'll have a category for tactics. So this will be ways that you can use your army to ideally win because that's the goal, Cheat. right? The answer is always cheat. If you're playing Malfo. Mm-hmm. Or against John Wall. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> cheating. That was just a false premise. <laughs> that was outright lies. <laughs> um, we're curious if you'd like to hear about more battle reports. So this could be in the context of if you want the more in-depth uh, battle reports instead of just like a brief summary like we tried before. And we may even have a little bit of an extrapolation on that in the future. I'm super excited. It will involve moving pictures, maybe. No spoilers. <laughs> uh, uh, next up, we're curious if you guys would like to know about more tournament coverage. So if you want to hear uh, more specifically about how we did at tournaments or the results from tournaments that we attend. I, I would like you guys to ask and tell us that we should talk more about ourselves because I'm inherently narcissistic. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. Fair enough. So I want to talk about me all the time. And how my Eldar probably didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. Uh, the other one will be, in regards to tournaments, uh, do you want to hear about more upcoming tournaments that we have? We could do a little more research to make sure every event within however many hundred kilometers we could try to mention on the podcast. Let's say Everything Canada. from here to the moon. 3,000. 3, from here to the moon? 3,000? 3, 3, really? 000. Okay, but... So from, we're talk about podcasts or, like, tournaments in Winnipeg? So what I want to know is, from Dan said from here to the moon, are we talking... Like a concentric distance across the Earth's surface, or just in a straight line from here to the just moon? Just directly between us and the moon. That's really nothing. 
It's unless you're Dude, at unless the Cloud City a... Open is a new thing. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're at the tournament, you hit the ceiling of the building you're in, then I guess we should talk about it. Otherwise, <laughs> just fuck it. Okay. Uh, and the last thing in regards to tournaments is whether or not you guys are interested in segments about uh, our experiences running tournaments. So the different things that we've learned from putting on events, or maybe even just the TO's perspective. <laughs> or failed to learn. <laughs> <laughs> There's those moments too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another one is what we're working on. Do you guys give a fuck? <laughs> or hopefully, not working on? Hopefully the answer is yes, even though this week's uh, what are you working on segment was a little weak, Ward. What, Dan? Borderlands was very important to yeah, me. Yeah, picking a color scheme for my Borderlands character consumed vast quantities of my time. Mm. I know, I've watched you play Borderlands. This yellow or maybe a little bit darker yellow. No one can even see you because I know you weren't playing online. Dude, there is a mod for third player perspective, like third person perspective, and it looks so cool. Stop it. Okay, anyways. And the last, um, but not the least of topics, would be our hard hitting investigatory journalism. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That is a joke, right? Uh, Are we actually throwing this in there? We're throwing it in there. And so this is a category that kind of talks more about some of the things uh, that we have maybe seen, our commentary on trends in the meta, or. A bowl in gaming, how it affects you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, and honestly, today's comp- today's topic on things like commission painting can kind of tie in. Oh, so you mean well. our you mean our incoherent ramblings? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I like I like investigatory I journalism. <laughs> it's basically just a rant. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot because we really did very little research, very little fact checking yeah. today. And so. If you have anything else that you would like to hear us talk about, please do respond either via a pri- private message to our podcast on Facebook, or there will also be a comment section that you can respond in the actual survey itself. Um, other than that, uh, we're also curious about the game systems, like I mentioned earlier. So this would be right now, off the top of our heads, it's 40k, Fantasy, War Mahords, Malifaux, Drop Zone, X-Wing, Firestorm, Dystopian, and Infinity. A little bit of tackling we can spice in too. Sure, sure. A little bit of, a little bit of seasoning. Yeah, I, I guess I'll put it in there. Do you want to put hero clicks in there as well? Some no, no. Tech. Does anybody here play hero clicks? No. We should put in battle tech. Because if everybody wants to start I talking about battle tech, that would be a great April first. I, I, I love my ghost rifles. I will talk about ghost rifles all day long. Okay, you know what we should do? PCs. We'll talk about this later, but I think I think April deserves a battle tech episode. Too much heat generation. <laughs> Always put your ammo in your thinking. feet. <laughs> I kind of want to put all my heat sinks in my crotch. <laughs> crotch is not a hit you box. Know that, is always, that is the always hottest area on my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's my lower center torso. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, so... A palpable again, hit. <laughs> just like with the the actual style of, of content, uh, when it comes to the games, please pick any and every game that you want to hear us talk about more. Because yeah, we'll keep rambling about them. Yeah, absolutely. And we will probably try... We might start moving towards the, the game systems that you guys maybe prefer as a whole. But if you do want to hear about something like Infinity, um, please put it down because we'll maybe make an effort. Or something that comes out that you'd like us to maybe try demo. Now Relic Knights. Rel- Relic Knights. AVP uh, once it comes out. Yeah. There's new games coming out all the time. Eldorado. Allegedly. Eldorado. I think AVP is going to come out. Wrath when we're Kings? actually traveling in y- y- Wayland Utani ships, like that's how it'll be <laughs> delivered to us from like a manufacturing facility on YB four two six or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's finally ready. 
<laughs> Complete with your very own face hugger. <laughs> <laughs> For the pledge level will be legitimate <laughs> Xenomorph. As a side note, I just found out that Alien Isolation was written by Dan Abnett. The script for the video Ooh. game dialogue. Did he write in the sweat beads? I assume he had many footnotes about dripping sweat on all the characters. <laughs> yeah, that game is no AC in space. The level of like visual detail in that game is amazing, but yes, they clearly have no air conditioning because everyone is very sweaty. <laughs> it's slightly uncomfortable, but that game is really cool so far. But then Borderlands. They can't open up a window. As a, if you haven't noticed, they, they could, and then the alien gets sucked <laughs> through it, and but right that's... before its face explodes, it has like the single tear because it knows its mother killed it. Single tear. They don't even have eyes where they that was, cry from. That was the worst Aliens movie ever. <laughs> that one. Oh, we're talking about Alien 4. Well, yeah, we're Resurrection. About, we're talking about Resurrection. I don't Joss think Whedon's was, finest uh, hour. I don't think <laughs> that was Joss Whedon? Yeah. Yes. I don't think oh that was the God. worst one, though. Yes, it anyway. was. 100% it was the worst one. What was worse? I didn't like 3. 3 was bad. 4 was worse. Alien 3 was a disaster. 3 we have so like, digressed. As, I was just going to say... <laughs> Us staying on topic is not an option this, on the survey. This, this is our investigatory <laughs> journalism at its finest. Okay, there are so many opinions flying around about aliens right now. We could t- we could start a podcast on that. Maybe we should do that after this. You want to just keep going? New podcast? <laughs> New podcast. Hobby Night and Aliens. Hobby Night in Canada talks aliens. Starring Giorgio Sukulis. <gasps> he is a guest we need to get. We just need his hair. We need to How get his hair no, for the podcast. Do you think we can get him on the show? Probably. If we just talk about Give him like a Subway gift card, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Do you know, understand the episode that that would ensue? Like the sheer insanity? (laughs) Game over, man. Game over. (laughs) I want this to happen so badly. (laughs) Can we put this on the survey? Would you like to see Giorgio Sukulis on Hobby Night in Canada? Like ancient Xenos? Ancient Xenos. (laughs) That actually fits in well with the AVP movies. It's true. Mm. Yeah, but then we need then we need Danny Glover. Donald no, no, Glover. That's that's the Danny, yeah, that's Danny. the Predator movies. I'm talking the AVP with the pyramid in Antarctica cuz that is ancient alien stuff right there. That's true. That's true. The aliens did teach pyramids to all the different things it on Antarctica somehow. Well, everywhere. I don't understand how they made them in Antarctica. And then moved and, them to Egypt. And then taught them in Egypt. <laughs> who was who built them in Antarctica? Antarctica. Was it the Egyptians? Cuz they'd freeze. They didn't have parkas. Everybody knows that. I think the Antarctica one was built by the Predators because it's the temple that moves and changes and change shapes and everything. It's and not slaves drinking primitive beer. I feel like I feel like they didn't have enough Predators. They probably enslaved a population. <laughs> uh, and and maybe then they wiped them all out. We have. We don't ten, know. We just don't. They could have given them temporary parkas. They are space aliens. They probably have the technology to manufacture parkas. Although they don't ever wear clothing, they just wear that weird little mesh. Fishnet. Why do they always have fishnets? Because they're kinky. <laughs> they do have face vaginas. <laughs> Oh Thank God. you for listening to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. By the time this goes up, we should have the survey live on Facebook. I'm Tom. I'm Ward. And I'm Steve. And I apologize for the last 20 or so minutes. I'm Dan. <laughs> so paint your fucking models, or if you can't, pay someone else too. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs>